Good morning. <laughs> Sorry. I went overboard. I was faking most of that. Psalm 27 in your Bibles. Psalm 27, very familiar psalm, I'm sure, to most of you. Is it a little bit warm in here, or is it because I have five layers on? You guys are good? All right. (laughs) All right, right. Psalm 27. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We won't make fun of you. We will give you one. So, uh, okay, sweet. Can somebody get her a Bible, Israel? We will make fun of Adam because Adam left his Bible all week here, but I'm sure he has like 45 at home, so he was probably good. (laughs) All right. Psalm 27, the word of the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came my foes and my enemies fell. Though an army deploy against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. And I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Because my adversaries, because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Psalm 27. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your people, the church. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that we have week in and week out to gather together with one another to receive grace, and by receiving grace, we give you glory. Lord, we are good soil. Help us to be good soil today. Lord, our eyes and our ears and our hearts have been opened to the truth of your Son and the gospel of your Son. Lord, help us to see and to hear and to receive truth today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you're new here, I see a few new faces. Just, and this is a good reminder to everybody, is our one primary goal on Sunday mornings, specifically, um, and it doesn't mean that we don't do it in other places, is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, we grow up, most of us, in a culture that the proclamation of the gospel is an add-on to the end of the sermon and only directed at unbelievers, and so then believers just obviously just check out, right? Um, that's my experience. It's probably your experience, too, most of your life. I had a brother a long time ago. He would say things like, oh, we just need to hear the gospel. Preach the gospel to yourself, and believers need to hear the gospel. And it sounds so true that I would just be like, yes. And then I, and in my brain, I was like, what's he talking about? Like, I already know the gospel. I know what the gospel is. I believe the gospel. Why do I need to hear the gospel? Why do I need to constantly have Christ set before me if I already believe in him? Shouldn't I now just be told how to live? Shouldn't I just hear two or three things to do every week and then go do those things and then act like I did a really good job of them? And then come back and hear two or three things more until finally I just get desperate and realize there's a massive elephant in the room and I'm not doing the things. I'm not doing the things very well. And a few years ago now, it's probably been five or six or seven or eight, I have no idea, but it dawned on me um, what proclamation of the gospel to believers, it, it, what it actually is. And it dawned on me that it's actually the most important thing that a believer must hear week in and week out, day in and day out, minute by minute, second by second. It dawned on me that the most practical thing that a believer needs to do is to believe the gospel. It's the hardest thing. Now, I'm not talking about believing the gospel for salvation. We do, as children of God, believe. But in a sense, we're constantly having to believe and re-believe and believe that it's actually, it's like the hardest thing still is for believers to believe. And it dawned on me that the most important thing that we can do is to go hear the gospel proclaimed, read in our alone time the gospel, that we preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. And it is by doing that that then all the other things take their proper order. And it's actually by constantly reminding us of the grace of God, ourselves of the grace of God, and being reminded by others, and hopefully from the pulpit of the grace of God, that we then actually go do the things we're supposed to do. We actually obey the commands of God. How in the world can we hear week in and week out the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the person work of Christ and then go live any other way? but a life of delightful, joyful obedience to God. Again, we're not talking about perfect obedience. And then when we blow it, we are, we are, we, we mourn, but we're not condemned. And we, when we blow it, we remind ourselves of the grace of God. And then we get back up and we get back at it. And so if you're new here, and even if you're not, is going to give to you from the scriptures. And it is, it is so glorious. I've been waiting to preach this since Monday. I just one read through and I was ready to proclaim Christ and his work and his fullness to the people of God. And so today there's one, one point we want to walk away from, and it is at the very end of the psalm. Wait for the Lord. What is that? What does it look like? Are we supposed to do anything? Why do we do that? Why do we do it? I'm hopefully going to answer all those questions. I think David maps it out pretty good for us. But I also want you to notice the flow of the Psalms. The Psalms are put in an order for a specific reason, all right? In Psalm 25, David's prayers to not be put to shame, okay? In Psalm 26, it's a prayer to be vindicated. And then you get to Psalm 27, and it's David with absolute assurance and confidence that God is hearing his prayers. 
going to be vindicated, not be put to shame. And yet, even in that, because this is fascinating, it's not as if in our confidence that, and in our assurance that the Lord is going to vindicate us, when it's all said and done, we're not going to be put to shame because we're, we're in Christ. We still pray the prayers. We know we're not going to be abandoned, but we say, Lord, don't abandon me. We, we know the Lord hears us, and yet we say, Lord, hear, hear me. We know that we can be confident in the Lord, and yet we say, Lord, don't turn your face from me, even though we know he's not going to. And it seems like a paradox or maybe even a contradiction, but all it is is realizing the truth about who God is and what he does and then praying his will back to him. And that's why if you are having trouble in your prayer life, staying focused uh, when you pray, uh, I certainly, I'm, 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 it's pathetic when I pray on my own. I, I almost have to pray the Psalms. I have to, I have to just read the Psalms. And as I read, know that I, and just say, Lord, help me not just to read. Help me not just to understand, but Lord, help me this to be the, the, the cry of my own heart. And so Psalm 25 or Psalm 26, Psalm 27, again, we are seeing how to pray. We're seeing what to pray. And in Psalm 27, it can almost seem like David is schizophrenic because he has all this confidence in the Lord, and then it looks like he doesn't. That's not what's going on. A lot of commentators think so. Actually, some commentators think they're two separate Psalms and that they don't even belong together. Uh, what they are is David knowing who God is, David knowing what God does, and then, and then having confidence in that, and then praying those very same things that he has confidence in. It's not as if he's, he's uh, you know, uh, not sure. And it's not as if that in our confidence and trust in the Lord, we're just like, ah, I don't need to pray. God's got it. That's not what the Lord wants from us. That's not what we see in Scripture. No, we see that we can trust the Lord, and then we say, Lord, help me to trust you. I believe, Lord. Ah, help me to believe. Lord, you will never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, don't ever leave me or forsake me. And it's like this back and forth, and then you like, ah, the Lord says he'll never leave me or forsake me. Oh, Lord, don't leave me or forsake me. And then the Lord says back, I will never leave you or forsake you. And we're like, ah, oh, praise the Lord. And so here today, we are told to do a few things, but the one thing I want us to walk away with is in verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait, wait for the Lord. Now, this can apply. Someone in this room right now has this thing. They have the thing. I don't know what the thing is. I have things, plural. I have a life. That when I read this, it just, it just, it's like, I just, my whole life flashes before my eyes. And I'm like, I don't just have, hey, that thing, wait, it's like everything, Lord. Yes, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. What is waiting for the Lord? What is it? I think it is to be strong and it is to be courageous and to have a courageous heart. I think waiting speaks of trusting in God and hoping in God with an expectation and confidence in God. We see the confident in verse 3 at the end. I will still be confident. So this isn't like a waiting for the Lord on your couch watching Netflix. This isn't, it's, it's not that. There's nothing against that. I do that every single night. But it, that's not what we're talking about. That's not like, okay, I'm just going to go sit in a corner and I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. No, because we know that the word of God is filled with commands upon commands upon commands. All right to the people of God. And I firmly believe 
that it is waiting on the Lord can be strictly defined as obedience to God. What do we do? What do we, we obey the Lord and all the other things that are clear. We obey the Lord. And so why though? Like, why should I, okay? I come to church. I got a life. I'm a pilgrim and, and I'm a weary pilgrim most of the time. Peaks and valleys, highs and lows. I'm, I'm, I'm coming into a storm. I'm in a storm or I just got out of a storm, which means I'm getting ready to go back into another storm. And you're telling me that the word of the Lord, and you see it with your own eyes, verse 14, that I'm to wait on the Lord. Why, though? Why should I wait on the Lord? Who is the Lord? What does the Lord do? Well, David maps it out. I have like 14. This isn't a 14-point sermon. It's a one-point sermon with 30 subpoints. okay? But it's all falling back on waiting for the Lord. Now, remember this, and this is you... There's these things like that are super, super important when we're thinking about interpretation of Scripture. One of them is referred to as the law gospel distinction. We, we again, most of us aren't even aware that most of our lives, the, laws, the law has been presented to us as the gospel, and then the gospel has been presented to us as the law, all right? And right on its heels, and maybe even it could be even the same thing, is this distinction between the indicatives and the imperatives of Scripture, all right? The imperatives of Scripture are the commands of Scripture. And again, the, the Scriptures are filled with it. But to the people of God, all of the commands of Scripture are founded on the indicatives of Scripture. I mean, Paul speaks gospel, 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 like who God is and what God does, indicatives. Gospel, 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 gospel. Hey, go love your wife. Gospel, gospel. Hey, go love your spouse. Gospel, submit to one another. Gospel. I mean, he interrupts himself. But all you have to do is read the epistles and even the Psalms and just anywhere in the scripture and all the imperatives, the bookends, and even the interruptions are all the grace of God. They're all who God is and what God's done, okay? And that's the same thing here. So wait on the Lord. There's the command. But no, even, no, even in this order, the command is the last thing in the Psalm. Wait on the Lord. And before are all these beautiful things and descriptions about who God is, and what God does. And so it gives us the why. So this isn't just wait on the Lord, you idiot. This isn't trust the Lord, you idiot. This is, hey, trust the Lord, wait on the Lord, have a hopeful expectation of, of the Lord in that one area, in all the areas that you're freaking out about. But, but hey, remember who we're talking about when we're talking about the Lord. And so we see it right here. I mean, this is the grace of God on steroids, Psalm 27 is. And we see right away in verses 1 that the Lord is the light of your salvation. Man, he's the light and he is your salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I'm just, just going to fly through this. Whom should I fear? The, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? I mean, this is the if God is for me, then who can be against me that Paul refers to? that we referred to last week. Why should I wait on the Lord? Because the Lord is your light. Without the Lord, we're in utter darkness. We can't see. The natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. And yet the Lord is our light. He shined his light on us, abroad in our hearts. He's opened our eyes. He's opened our ears. He's opened our minds. He's birthed us again. He's made us alive. He's born us again. He is our light. He is our salvation. That's why we wait on the Lord. Yes. All right? Why else do we wait? Because he is the strength of our life. 
The Lord is the stronghold of your life. He is not a strength of your life amongst many others. He is the strength of your life. That's why in that thing, some of us, I know, again, my life is a complete mess most of the time. That's why I don't just have one thing. I have a lot of things. But some of us have just this thing, this, this looming anxiety and fear. Oh, the Lord wants you to know that he will shine the light. He is the, the, the author of your salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Oh, your, your strength, your rock, your foundation in the, is not in all these other coping mechanisms, as good as maybe they can be to kind of help. But your, your strength is found in the Lord, David declares. Hey, this helps us to wait on the Lord. Remember the Lord's past faithfulness. Where, where he has provided you victory. Look at verses 2 and 3. When evildoers came against me, see, he's remembering the past, to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Hey, remember, remember that other thing that you were freaking out about five years ago, two years ago, one year ago, one week, and the Lord came through? Remember that thing? Mm-hmm. Man, Here's my, this is one of my goals in life, okay? Because I'm never going to do it perfect. But when the things come up to just toss me to and fro with the stinking thinking, the anxiety and fear of my own life, I simply want to come out of the other end trusting God more than I did when the last thing that came through my life. That's it. And, And the best way, one of the best ways to do that is just remember, you know what? Last time I freaked out. And I even got a bunch of other people to freak out. And then the Lord came through. Amen. And I felt like an idiot. I don't, before doubting the Lord in, in the way that I did. I, 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 treated, I, I treated my own brain and I treated as God as if God didn't even exist. Uh-huh. Lord, this thing is, is wanting to do that again in me. Lord, help me to remember that you brought me through. I'm 40, almost 46 years old. If you look back on my life, you will see that it is a miracle that I am 46 years old, that I'm here. I have done nothing, and most of you in this room have done nothing to plan on, to make it day by day. Most of us live, although we know we're going to die, we live like we're not going to. And we make plans like we're not going to, and we eat like we're not going to. We live like we're not going to. And yet, today, at least, here we all are. And it is by the grace of God. We remember his past faithfulness. And though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Why? Because I remember victory over other enemies. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. Why? Because the Lord is his light and his salvation. The Lord is the strength of his life. The Lord has has gotten him through everything so far. So why would he doubt the Lord now? So we're to wait on the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is our light and our salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of our life. We remember the Lord's past faithfulness. We know that the Lord will protect us. Look at verse 5. For he will see in his shelter in the day of adversity. And he will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me on a high rock. Then my head will be high around my, above my enemies around me. The Lord will protect us. He will. And sometimes we just got to remember this stuff. We got to remember, verse 7, the Lord hears you when you call. He hears you. 
Now, it can seem as if he doesn't hear you because maybe he doesn't answer your prayer in the time frame that you're wanting him to. Or maybe he, you, want, you want him to help you to go left, and he was wanting you to go right the whole time. And so we're like, where is the Lord? No, the Lord, guys, we're his children. God knows everything. He sees everything. He hears everything. And God is our Father. He hear, Whatever your cry is right now, he hears you. Lord, hear my voice when I, when I call. Oh, the Lord, he will be gracious to you. Oh, look at it. Be gracious to me and answer me. He's going to answer you. He's going to be gracious to you. A lot of times, we just need redefinitions of what it is to be, like, gracious. We only think the Lord is good when we get our will. Oh, man, the Lord is good. Why? Because I got a raise. Is he not good because you didn't get a raise? Of course not. The Lord knows what's best for his kids. We seriously just get to pray to the Lord, know that he hears us, and know that he's going to be good to us, even if it didn't look like, like that didn't look good. Well, I'll get into this later on, but no, the Lord is good. The Lord is, is gracious, and he's going to be, he has been, he will be, he is going to be gracious to his people. Look at verse 9. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Oh, Lord, the Lord says, I will never leave you or nor forsake you. So although we know that the Lord is not going to do that, we still pray with David, don't hide your face. The Lord is not going to hide his face from you. Amen. He's not. So this is why we wait on the Lord. And the Lord will not turn you away, not turn away from you in anger. I know it seems like, we, again, we're used to this, I did good, so God loves me. I did bad, so God is angry. It's, it's pietism, and pietism is of the devil. No, God loves you. Remember, God loves you with an everlasting love. God, God never began to love you, remember that? So he's never going to stop loving you. There was never a time and place where he ever began. He loved you before the foundations of the world. And so we just get to relax and we just get to know that. Again, because I know how we think. Ah, oh, you're saying all this stuff, but you don't know, man. I'm praying. I got this thing. It doesn't look like the Lord is gracious. Doesn't look like the Lord is being very loving. Doesn't look, look like the Lord is listening. Looks like the Lord has turned away. He hasn't. He has not. He will not. Now, he'll discipline us, but that's not, he's not turning away from us in anger and wrath. He's our father. Look at verse 9 again. The or look at verse 9c. The Lord is your helper. Man, you have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. I mean, it's all wrapped up in God of my salvation. Lord, save me. This is the prayer. Save me. Be gracious to me. Last week summed it up. It could sum up this. This week, it's just, ah, oh, save me. You are the God of my salvation. I could talk forever and go on forever, but Lord, my plea, my cry, my prayer is be who you are, God, the God of my salvation. Save me. Oh, he is our helper. He, for us, he sends the helper. For us, he tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace, and he will give us help in our time of need. Hallelujah. There is no maybe, maybe not. If you do a little bit better, I will. Please, you pray a little bit harder, read your Bible a little bit more, worship a little bit more, abracadabra. That's not what it is. 
He is our helper. He sends the helper. He says he will be our helper. And so what do we do? We say, Lord, help me in my time of need. You have been my helper. You are my helper. You will always be my helper. And then so we wait on the Lord. We wait on the Lord. Uh, I lift my eyes toward the mountains, David says. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Uh, The Lord will not leave you or forsake you. And do not leave me or abandon me. So we wait on the Lord, even when the circumstances tell us the Lord has abandoned you. The Lord has forsaken you. You're miserable. Why, if the Lord hasn't forsaken you, then why are you still tempted with this sin? Why did you still sin? If the Lord hasn't abandoned you, then, then how come this, this anxiety and fear and worry and doubt, why, why won't it go away? That's what the circumstances tell us. Ah, but the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not believe the lie of the circumstances. Believe his word. And then just trust in the providential care of God. Know that everything is, and I'm getting ahead of myself. I tried not to do it, but I can't help it. It's working out for good for those who love Christ and are called according to his name. I mean, that's, I mean, he is working everything out for good. Now, the Lord cares for you because of my adversaries. Show me, no, no, no. Verse 10, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Could it get any worse than to be abandoned? by? I don't, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. I think he's, he's clearly just saying even if that happened. I mean, it would be, be horrible. Yeah. And yet, David knows even if that would happen, the Lord will still be his good shepherd. Hallelujah. The Lord will still be his Lord. The Lord cares for his people. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. And the Lord will lead you, verse 11, because of my adversary, show me your way. He knows the Lord will show him the way. He knows the Lord will lead him on the path, and yet he says, Lord, show me the way. The Lord shows us his way in the scriptures. And then we ask even the Lord, when we're thinking about his providence and his providential care, Lord, show me what you're doing here. Give me eyes to see. Now, the Lord will not give you over to your enemies. Verse 12, David prays, do not give me over to the will of my foes. Now, the Lord disarmed the principalities and the powers on the cross. And he's defeated all of our enemies, sin, death, Satan, the world. And so what, he's going to give us back to our adversaries, our enemies? No. So what do we do? We rest in that and we pray, Lord, do not deliver me over to my enemies, just like David. The Lord has conquered our enemies. In Christ, we are declared to be more than conquerors. You know what a conqueror is? Like, bring it on. I'm going to defeat you. I'm a conqueror. Yay. A more than conqueror is we haven't even fought and I've already won. That's where we stand. And praise the Lord for that. That's the victory we have in Christ. And so what do we do? Well, we do a lot of things. But Psalm 27 says, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Look who he is. Look what he does. Look what he's done. Look what he's going to do. And we look at what he's going to do, and it's glorious. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Okay. Here's what that does. This is beautiful because this, because like this puts us, this gets us an eternal perspective of everything that has gone before. Yes. 
Because we can, we can be like, ah, you don't know. Ain't good over here. Ah, he ain't working that out for good. I rebuke that word. It's horrible. And we get our eyes fixed on the circumstances and the temporal things and the material things. And I'm not disclaiming that those things aren't difficult and hard. They are. Mine are hard. I know yours are hard. But man, may the Lord get our eyes on eternal things. May the Lord get us on verse 13 when we're ultimately thinking about the goodness of the Lord, the steadfastness of the Lord, the faithfulness of the Lord, the person and work of the Lord, the fact that he's not going to turn away, the fact that he's not angry, the fact that he is loving, the fact that he is gracious, the fact that he is good, the fact that he, he, he hears my prayers. When I seek him, I find him. When we think about our circumstances telling us these aren't, things aren't true, what we do know to be true is that one day we will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. And then every prayer you ever had to be delivered from all the pain, all the suffering, all the depression, all the anxiety is answered with a yes and amen in Christ. And then you will see that even all in that suffering and especially in the suffering and in the pain of your life, God was doing the one thing that he knew how to do and that was save you and it was beautiful and it was perfect and it was true and it was exactly what you needed in this life. That's, that's what we need, all right? And we get this, all right? I mean, this confidence. Listen to this. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Here we are. David says, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Paul says, he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus the same thing. We're already, it's past tense, already not yet. God's kingdom has come and it, it is coming. We are already seated. It is so locked in. We are already seated with Christ. And so we can say, I too am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness. Why? Because the word says it all over the place. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. David says, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. And Paul says, when Christ, okay, who is your life. Now, I know I've beaten this horse, but I'm going to keep beating it. This isn't, oh, I wish Christ was my, believers can read this. When Christ, who is your life, and it's like, oh, I wish Christ was my life. Christ is your life. This is a beautiful word to you. I know it doesn't always look like Christ is your life. You know, we, we got, Paul says to live as Christ, to die as gain. And we're like, ah, oh, yes, that's, I want to be, that is you. To live is Christ and to die is gain because you're united to Christ. And it's not based on your good days or bad days or good moments or bad moments. It's based on the perfect work of Christ. And so Christ is our life. And when he appears, we will also appear with him in glory. We will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Revelation says this, then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Man. And David says, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. So we have all this stuff of who God is and what God does as a foundation then to look at life and the hardness and the difficulty of life 
and just say, you know what? I have every reason in this whole life and in that particular thing there and in that particular thing there to just wait, wait on the Lord. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. Why wouldn't I? Look how good he is. And, and even if it doesn't look like it gets worked out for good in this life, I know that when it's all said and done, it's being all worked out for good. Well, how do we do the waiting? Like, like, what do we do while we wait for the Lord? Well, it, we can do a lot of things. Like I said earlier, obey God's word. But we're in a specific psalm. And Psalm 27, I think, gives us a beautiful example of what we should be doing in this whole life of ours while we wait on the Lord. And I do believe it is to seek the Lord's face. That's it. I mean, so much rest. In, there, there's no buck up and suck it up and boot it up and whatever. There is none of that. There's no slap in your face to get yourself all pumped up and get the blood flowing. I don't know who does that. I don't do that, by the way. There is none of that. This is just, hey, worship the Lord. I mean, look what David, look at it. The, the, everything that David says right in the body, right in the middle. It's, it comes out of left field like an upper hook. It's, it, doesn't even, it almost doesn't even make sense if we're being honest with ourselves. Like, what is this? Out of nowhere, David says, I have asked one thing from the Lord. It's what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing, beholding on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. In verse 8, he says, my heart says this about you, seek his face. That's the command of God. Not only to David, because seeking there is in the plural. The Lord says to his people, seek my face. And David says, I'll seek your face. And what do we say? Lord, we'll seek your face. But then we hear this other thing about waiting on the Lord. So we wait on the Lord. But while we wait on the Lord, we're not sitting on our hands. No, we are. Here we go. We're gathering with the people of God in the house of God to behold and worship God. I will offer sacrifices in his tents with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. That's what waiting looks like here in Psalm 27. It's just gathering at the house of God. Look around. You're doing it with the people of God and worshiping God. That's what David's doing. That's what waiting looks like here in Psalm 27. And I'm telling you, I, this, is, this seems so, we have been told, we've been sold a, a bill of goods. We have been told as Christians, all these things. We have been told that God has a great plan for us. And I, we went through this last week. He does. It's called the gospel. You're not the next Billy Graham. You're not going to be. Stop it. Okay? And there's probably another Billy Graham in here. Sorry. I didn't mean to deflate your dream. But, but I mean, that we just think and we lose sight of, we lose sight of stuff that we call mundane. And I don't know how, what other used word to use, but I don't like calling it mundane because I think the mon what people call mundane is beautiful. I think the getting up every morning and, 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 and being around six kids is, is, I know it's chaotic, but it's beautiful. I think being married to my wife for 17 years, is that right, babe? I think so. I think it's beautiful. And that doesn't mean the whole thing has been beautiful. But we're here. It's, it's beautiful. The fact that we're still here makes it beautiful after all these years. I think that the most beautiful thing in this life is gathering with the people of God to worship God. That's what I, th I think it's way more beautiful than the, the perfect lighting and all the filters and the, and the candle and the Bible open and the post to Instagram of you reading your Bible in the morning. 
I mean, the Bible is a, is a word of God to the people of God. You read the epistles and almost every single you is plural. And even here in Psalm 27, the seek the Lord, is, it's plural. It's to the people of God. And I'm, I mean, you want to live a good life? You want to leave a beautiful legacy? The world may not think it's beautiful. Other believers may not even think it's beautiful. They may not think it's good. But it's a life of seeking the Lord's face with the church. That's a life well spent. A life that is built upon gathering together with the people of God to behold and worship God. That, that is a life well spent. Is that the rhythm and rhyme of our lives? Man, Lord, increase this desire. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire. May we just be able to put our names in there. May we say to the Lord, Lord, increase this desire in my own life. And so we wait on the Lord. Whatever it is, whenever it is, all that it is, we wait on the Lord. We wait with confidence and trust, uh, hope. We have, Peter says we have a living hope. And, and it's not blind faith and blind hope and idiotic hope. No, it's as we remember who God is and what he does, then we wait on the Lord. But we don't sit on our hands. Now we gather with the people of God to behold Christ and to worship Christ and to receive the ordinary means of grace from Christ together. And so the application it is, it's to know. It's to know that we have all that we need. This is just a reminder before we get into stuff. We have all that we need for eternal life in Christ. We know this. Ephesians 1 says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. And then he goes on to tell us what that is. Now, if we have everything that we need for eternal life in Christ, do you think we have everything that we need for temporal life in Christ? Oh, we do. We definitely do. In Christ, we have all we need for this pilgrimage. He definitely, most certainly, is working all things for our good, regardless of what life's trials are often trying to declare to us. And Psalm 27 is just an awesome, quick go-to to see who God is and what he does to help us to trust him and to wait on him. And that's what we do. It's simple. We wait on the Lord. We, we be strong and courageous in the Lord. We obey the word of the Lord. We trust the Lord. We rest in the Lord. He has won the war. He has conquered his enemies. He has conquered our enemies. His kingdom has come. His kingdom is coming. He is making all things new. He is coming back for us. We will be in the presence of the Lord forever. And so we wait on the Lord. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. He's coming back, and he's going to make everything good. Make everything untrue, true. Make everything bad that happened to you, you're going to see that it was for your own good. And so we wait on the Lord. And the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. That's what David says. Be courageous. Jesus says, I have conquered the world. So wait on the Lord. Behold the Lord. Worship the Lord in the house of the Lord. And trust in the providential care of the Lord in this pilgrimage. And so you can come up, Elijah. So here it is. I got it going on. There's stuff out there. There's stuff I don't know that's out there that's out there. 
I, I can pinpoint one thing that's huge in my life, or I can pinpoint 40 things that are huge. And the word of the Lord is just telling me to wait on the Lord. And then and the word of the Lord then comes in with like a, 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 a just a, man, the Lord, just he's so beautiful. He, he, the word of the Lord is so beautiful. He then tells us all these truths about why, mm-hmm. why we can wait on the Lord. And oh, by the way, why you're waiting on the Lord? Seek the Lord in the house of the Lord. Do you think David, do you think David's talking about going to the house of the Lord by himself? No. Seek the Lord in the house of the Lord with the people of the Lord. And wait on the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded. I know it doesn't look like it sometimes, but you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials. So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Take courage, dear pilgrim. Wait on the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to rest, trust, wait, rejoice, and seek you. Lord, our strength is not in ourselves. It is of you and from you and in you. Lord, we are primarily, you have made us this way, a receiving people. And today, help us to receive and to believe all that you are, all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do. Lord, help us to look our circumstances dead in the eye and tell them that we are going to wait on the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.